Welcome to 2022. COVID's still a worldwide thing. Midterm elections in the U.S. will be huge and climate change don't stop. That's why now, more than ever, you need a great news outlet to make sense of it all. You need the Los Angeles Times. So what are we going to do this year to tackle all the desmadre? Beats me. But I know someone to ask. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Happy New Year to y'all. Today, we're spending the entire episode with LA Times executive editor, Kevin Merida. He's about six months into the job, so it's naturally time for an evaluation. We're going to ask him what he's learned, what he wants the LA Times to do in this new year, and hopefully he'll give a shout out to how awesome this podcast is. Am I right? So when it was announced that Kevin was going to be the LA Times' jefe de jefes, the boss of bosses, the entire newsroom was excited but cautious. Nothing against Kevin, of course. He came with an impeccable resume. Washington Post, ESPN, The Undefeated, this great website about the intersections of culture, sports, and politics. But when Kevin came in, the LA Times was emerging from a long season of hurt. The pandemic had gutted our revenue. Newspaper scandals had hurt morale. A bunch of our past previous executive editors were, to put it bluntly, problematic. And now we have Kevin joining us. Hefe, welcome to The Times. Thank you. I'm, uh, I feel welcome. <laughs> good, good, good. So you've spent your entire career before getting to The Times based everywhere but the West, Milwaukee, Dallas, D.C., and you had a good gig being the boss of The Undefeated. So what was it about joining The L.A. Times that excited you? Man, I heard about you, man. And that's a, <laughs> that's a big factor. I, I felt like it was it would be exciting. I think when you've done a lot of things, you feel liberated. And I don't mean to say this in any kind of bragging way. I think the more success you have, the more liberation. You know, you're not chasing any success or achievement like that, just chasing challenge. But not to mention the collection, just tremendous journalism done here and just some tremendous journalists here. We had always talked about moving to L.A. We had family reasons. But a lot of it was the challenge, the commitment by the Sunshans. I really was taken by really not just Patrick, but the combination of Patrick, his wife, Michelle, his daughter, Nika, and their commitment to this area. Yeah, you mentioned our owner, Dr. Patrick Sunshang. And what's interesting, what I heard in your answer, you said challenges and also help. So what was the challenges that you saw that the Times faced and what was the help that you think it needed? We're located in a huge state and also the second most populous city in the country. And we don't have a big subscription base. So there's opportunity there. You need to have a, a signature major towering media organization anchored in the West Coast. A lot of the news and the, the filter of what's important, why it's important, is through the lens of, of big East Coast media organizations. And I was drawn to the fact the West is so important. California is, is tremendously important. The LA Times is the largest news organization west of the Potomac River where I lived before I moved here. There's less opportunity there. And the challenge is how do we grow in a digital era the kind of readership that's not accustomed to getting a physical newspaper? In the digital era, lots of people are competing for your time and interest, and you have to go find the audience. We're doing that right now on the podcast. 
We have to create more opportunity for a wider range of people to consume what we're offering and to give it to them in new, exciting, creative ways. So you've been on the job now for about six months and we all got to do job reviews once a year. So this is yours right now, but you got to do it for yourself. So what are you most proud of accomplishing so far? Well, one of the things I think is just this culture is important. You can't underestimate how you have to rally a team to believe in themselves and to feel like they belong to a place and to be excited about it and to connect with them and, and to see this place in a new way. I think we've had some success there in, in convincing people that we, we really can do this. We, we really got this. And I see a lot more ideas flowing through. And I think we've begun to do some experiments. We've touched base with some local filmmakers. Uh, we're putting together the, the building blocks of having a more robust LA Times studios and, and developing our audio footprint in a bigger way and to do more with our journalism in places like documentaries. It takes a, a while, you know, to really build what we want to build, but uh, I feel great about being here. Where do you need to improve? Organizationally, you know, structurally, I think we have to be more set up for the digital era. And if we're really going to be a modern media company, we can't be organized like a print newspaper. We're in the process of building and creating a structure that will look different than the structure we have now and to empower more leaders. I think leadership matters, but you can lead from any place in the newsroom, create new positions and to organize our coverage in ways that are more enticing to those who consume it through the internet. What surprised you about how low-key awesome the LA Times was? And where do you think, you know, six months in, that all of us collectively could do better? I don't know that it's a surprise. It's just the, the range. I mean, we have some good journalism across areas, and we have experts in the environment, in, in entertainment, criticism, voices, columnists. I'm not here to gas you up, but <laughs> we have some tremendous columnists. You're one of them. We have expertise in lots of areas, you know, and that's across from politics to homelessness and, and crime and government coverage, tremendous investigative reporting. We have just a range. We have the stuff we need. I think we can do a lot more with personalities than the people who live here and not just the, the celebrities of people in Hollywood, the big stars, but to reveal the characters, the people who run things, people no one knows. I think we could do a lot better at elevating personalities and do better with profiles. I think we could certainly be more urgent and faster. I think we could be better at enterprise in real time. And to own, when people come to search for stories that they care about, that we're at the top of the carousel or... I think that we have a little ways to go there, but we're getting better. And I think we're going to be tremendous. Shout out to my colleagues at Mighty Metro, where you have breaking news, say the death of Jacqueline Avant. You have a disaster. It seems we just, boom, just get it all down there and just dominate that story. All those stories. Absolutely. We've been tremendous tracking COVID. You're right. I mean, the enterprise in Metro, what's happening in some of our police agencies like Torrance, the disproportionate bike stops of Latinos. It's just been a tremendous kind of accountability reporting in our government agencies uh, across the board and really impressive reporting by uh, California staff. 
We'll be back after this break. Kevin, the existential question that the L.A. Times has wrestled with for decades is, who are we? Are we the biggest local newspaper in the United States or are we a national publication with international scope? So what role do you want the L.A. Times to play in Los Angeles and beyond? I think that's um, in some ways a trap question. I don't think it's the right question. I think that when we say we're California centric, I think that's good. We're anchored in California. California should feel like we belong to them, but we have so many topics that are exportable. We're in the capital of the entertainment industry, a lot of exciting things in the technology sector going here. We're a laboratory for environment, for education, in some ways for health. We're a innovative state. And even the subjects we cover, housing and homelessness, inequality, this is a place that you can dive into them. Certainly migration patterns, multiculturalism, what is it like to live with each other as demographics change and institutions change? These are all areas of coverage that are anchored here. And so I think there are a lot of universal topics that Californians care about. And so local is too small a word. Regional is a geographic word. But I I like to say that right in Southern California, where we're anchored, that's our big lab. And then a bigger one is California. And then we hope that others, and they should come to us through some of the subjects we cover. I've only been at the Times now for about three years, but I grew up reading it and then being in journalism forever. That was always my sense sometimes that the LA Times would be trying to chase other publications, try to be like the New York Times, try to be like the Washington Post, try to be like, oh, the Wall Street Journal. Meanwhile, ignoring a lot of what was actually happening in California. And that leads to my next question, which is about diversity in the newsroom. Like to really get what California is, you need a diverse newsroom. You need to tell the stories that are here. And we actually have one of the more diverse newspapers or staffs in the country, but we're nowhere near how L.A. looks like. Like Latinos make up a plurality of the population in California, but just 13 percent of the newsroom in the L.A. Times and black journalists are also severely underrepresented with us. So because of that, big parts of the region, big communities don't even trust us to cover them. So how do we gain that trust? We have to build it. And it's block by block. In some cases, we have to go to the neighborhoods. We have to convene meetings with people we have to be present. We might have to host some block parties. You know, there is a really tremendous idea that a reporter, Donovan Ramsey, came up with about going and creating portraits and shooting photo portraits in Black communities, knowing that a lot of us grew up how portraiture was so important. And I know it's important to a lot of families. And it's an idea that we have taken and we're going to do something with. It's just one representation of getting closer to community. And I think there are lots of ideas that people have of how we can bridge the gap between us as journalists and and those who we want to consume our journalism. Sometimes before you get people to subscribe to you, you have to have them understand you and you understand them and them to see you and to know you. And so I think a lot of it, even before you get to subscriptions, sometimes it's like you have to do that groundwork. You have to lay the groundwork for the subscriptions. Yeah, if we're going to do portraits, let's make sure not to go through Kmart because those portraits get yellow like 20 years later. 
we have some of the best photographers in, in the country. So I think we'll be all right. <laughs> you know it. So what kind of journalism do you want people to come to the L.A. Times for? We're in a time where people seem to want more bias in news, not less. And younger reporters are questioning the very idea of objectivity in journalism. Historically, columns and opinion pieces were about feelings and the rest of the paper was about facts. But some want those walls completely torn down. You know, I think the newspaper, it's really a smorgasbord of storytelling. You have the opportunity to hit people with a lot of different a range of storytelling. You know, for some people, it's utility. They want to have the world explained to them. They want to also know where the best hikes are, the best burritos are. They want to know where the wildfires are. They want to know when and how to spot earthquakes. There's a lot you can do there. And others, they want really strong local accountability journalism. When you get to opinion, I'm a big fan. I'm a big proponent of extending opinion more first-person essays, more commentary in different forms and video and audio. Opinion is uh, a catalyst for understanding and interstir debate. And so I think, if anything, I want the journalism to be even more ambitious. I want us to be more ambitious on the biggest topics that people are paying attention to. And so you have to build a, a big edifice where you're, you have ambitious journalism and you have a lot of other ways for people to come at storytelling. We could have the most ambition and the best stories around, but it doesn't matter if we're not making money. And thank God we have a benevolent billionaire owner, but how are we doing financially right now? It certainly was a tough year. A lot of people have had tough years. $50 million lost in 2020 before you came on. In COVID, a lot of uh, businesses have struggled. That's the, the, the reality of it. You have to figure out how to make money and, and sometimes in a challenging industry. And we have both a mission, you know, we're a civic institution. It's also a business, right? It's not a nonprofit. So we balance that with our civic responsibilities, the sense that we should be there for people to be a place where you can get really good, informative information to hold institutions accountable and all of the other things that newspapers traditionally have been. And yet we have to continue to try to build revenue. Last year, The New Yorker did a profile on our owner, Dr. Patrick Soon-Shiong. And in it, you said that you and Dr. Soon-Shiong still hadn't found a, quote, cadence. Have the two of you at least found a common melody so far? The question I was simply asked was just, do I have a regularly scheduled meeting? I see him. I talk to him or text him, communicate with him as often as I like and him with me. He's a very accessible owner. In my experience, you know, never had one who owned a company and has as many business interests more accessible to him. You know, and I work for Jeff Bezos too. So I'm not worried about that. Okay. So what are we going to do in 2022? What, what, what are the things that you could tell our listeners to watch out for the times that we're going to do this year to just like dominate? We're going to continue to build our podcast slate. We're going to do more to use the term more with our IP. We're going to do a lot of ambitious journalism. One of the most undercovered topics that we have that cuts across a lot of lines is, is mental health. You know, I think there will be a lot more attention to that topic in terms of ambition. You'll see some new, exciting storytelling and some other surprises that I don't want to spoil. Are we sacrificing our journalism, though, in this quest to make ourselves more relevant? Uh, not at all. I haven't seen any sacrificing of journalism. I think the journalism has really been strong. You know, we have 
a lot of award-winning journalism that we've done, right? I mean, California Medical Board reporting about that. You know, our coverage of the Rust shooting involving Alec Baldwin on set, we've been dominant there. We essentially, our reporting pretty much changed the whole architecture and, and how the Golden Globes were perceived. So I see no sacrifice in the journalism and no letdown in the journalism. Yeah, I think the reason I ask, because I think I see the news of us hiring 15 people for a meme team and expanding events and outsiders will think, well, that's not really journalism. That's just like, uh, you know, trying to uh, boost up our cred for the youngsters or something. Well, I don't see it that way. I think one of the things that you have to have in today's world, everybody has a strong social presence. Social media is the way that so many people consume what we do and how our work gets amplified. And you have to create social content. You have to take your journalism and sometimes create work to bring people to it in the platforms where they are. And so it's a big driver. It's a very competitive space. How people come to you is really important. And so investing in, in social is investing in journalism. We'll be back after this break. We got to end light. We got to end easy. We got to end with a lightning round. So here we go. Kobe or LeBron? Kobe. Memes or GIFs? Both. <laughs> you got to pick one. Memes. Memes right there. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. Adele or Taylor? Adele. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Los Angeles Rams. Ah, yeah. I, I, no comment on the Rams. Our producer, Shannon Lynn, wants to know, has your stance on In-N-Out changed? I don't eat burgers. Ooh, LA Times managing editor Shawnee Hilton once told us that you want us to get more, quote, ratchet. How does being ratchet help us grow? Well, I think taking more risk, having more edge, not always playing everything safe. I think you have to reach people. And I think sometimes being provocative uh, is good. And it doesn't change anything about ethics and values, but we have to continue to diversify and all the ways that diversification means, you know, we've got to reach more people and you can't reach more people doing the same thing that we've always been doing because we're not reaching them now. Not like before, at least. And then finally, finally, how does the LA Times win? If we all really rally together and, and everybody brings their best game and they, they want to rep us when they're out at their the cookout or at the pool or with their family, we need to have uh, a squad where, you know, it can't be 20 or 30% of the people repping us and, and carrying the load. We need all of us, you know, we have tremendous amount of talent. So it seems maybe like a simple thing about building enthusiasm and motivation and, and just like building excitement. But I, I think that's infectious because we have the talent, you know, we have enough talent to win with, with the squad we have. And, going to keep adding, bringing in new people that can help us. The pieces that we don't have will keep adding pieces, but we have a championship roster right now. Kevin, Merida, Hefe, 
thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, my man. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, congressional reporter Sarah D. Wire takes us inside the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th insurrection. She knows because she was there. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Melissa Kaplan, Angel Carreras, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Lauren Rabb. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eapin. Special thanks to Alexander Higgins for this one. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow in the entire year of 2022 with all the news and desmadre. Gracias.